another edition of Talk and Troy. I'm Nathan Ackerman, an associate managing editor with, as of course, you all know very well by now, an emphasis on sports here at the Daily Trojan. We are recording today on Tuesday, December 1st, and I am joined as always by Taylor Mills and David Ramirez, co-sports editors here at the DT. David and Taylor, how are the two of you? Doing well. Final month of this year, so <laughs> let's see how it goes. Feeling good. Um, I took my dog on a walk today. It's just been a great day all around. Nice. How's your dog? He's doing well. Good. <laughs> Thanks for awesome. asking. Wonderful to hear. Well, of course. Uh, okay, so there is not a whole lot of USC football to talk about, of course, because USC Colorado got, got canceled. Uh, they're scheduled right now to play Washington State this upcoming weekend. We will get into that a little bit later. But the more pressing USC sports taking place right now are both basketball seasons. The women's team and the men's team are both underway. Uh, they both kicked off or they both tipped off, I think, Wednesday. I believe um, the women's and men's team both played that day. Since then, the men's team has played two more games. But I want to start in chronological order here. We'll start with the women's basketball team, which played the first game of the season with an 85 to 55 victory over LMU. I'm going to defer to you two here as the resident women's basketball experts here as former beat writers for the USC women's basketball team. What were your initial takeaways of that game? Yeah, I'm super excited to see this team. Um, it was a really great opportunity to report on them last year. Um, you know, they had a ton of freshmen come in and it's great to see them on their game in this following year after such crazy, you know, historical events. But um, yeah, what a solid, you know, first outing. Um, we've been waiting on redshirt freshman guard Madison Campbell for a while after such a tremendous, you know, injury, and she uh, performed great, you know, and also, too, I think another huge uh, benefit is the leadership of Desiree Caldwell, who is now a junior, and um, she's honestly, like, one of the most senior uh, players on this team, and, um, you know, I think it's really great that Track has brought in a squad that is kind of all, like, the same age and is all mostly sophomores. Um, most notably, you know, Alyssa Peely, who was the Pac-12 Freshman of the Year last year. And um, I hope to see her next week. She wasn't there in this outing against LMU. But um, yeah, the Arizona slate is going to be difficult. Um, their last outings with them have not been successful. I think they uh, Arizona went into overtime uh, at Galen Center and they eventually fell to them. But yeah, I'm excited uh, to see what they have. Uh, yeah, I also am really excited. Um, I think last year, they kind of struggled. Um, they they tried to rotate three bigs uh, with uh, Alyssa Peely, uh, Kayla Overbeck, and Angel Jackson, and it really seemed like when one of them wasn't on their game, it, it really showed, especially defensively. Um, this year, uh, Overbeck's gone. They brought in Amaya Oliver. She had a double-double in her first game as a true freshman. She seems like a really good rebounder, and if she can be a reliable scoring option, I think it can be very promising for the Trojans. Um, Coach Track said they want to rotate three bigs, and I think they want to rotate three guards as well, and I think it's important to be three deep at, in the front court and the back court, and it looks like they are this year. Um, like, like Taylor mentioned, Desiree Caldwell, um, they brought her back. They have um, Andia Rogers, who looks really good passing the ball and scoring the ball, and if Madison Campbell can be that third option at the guard position, they'd be three deep at guard and forward with really, really talented players, and I think they could contend in the Pac-12 this year. I'm really excited to see what they can do against Arizona State. Um, they were swept by Arizona State last year, but um, in the first game, it was just a bad bad uh, run of play for SC, and in the second game, they took them to like triple overtime or something. So I think objectively, they have a better roster this year, a little bit more experience, so I'm really excited, excited to see what they can do with Pac-12 play. Yeah, the, the thing that 
got me especially about the first game against LMU was they only had six players that game. Only six players played. And I, I don't know how you can I mean, you 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 were just talking about how, how the team is pretty deep, both at guard and at forward, but um and I mean that's that's certainly true, of course, but I don't know how you get through a basketball game with only six six players. How do you how do you two think that was they managed to scrape by with that? Um, I don't know, but again, like if you look at the spread, um, the point spread is actually pretty even among the team, which I think is the most important part, right? It didn't fall onto one player. And, um, you know, again, like having those three guards, um, is incredibly important. And, um, you know, like David mentioned, India Rogers, she's going to be a really important key in this team. Um, and overall too, like, I think they added a couple freshmen as well. So, um, Coach Track is interesting in the way he coaches and the way he lines up players. Um, he doesn't just run through the roster. I've noticed that, you know, like throughout last year too. And, and um, he really like relies on his team to go out there and, and to rely on what they've practiced. Everything's through repetition. And so, um, yeah, like it, I don't know how it's with only six players, especially compared to how the men's basketball team plays. But uh, yeah, honestly, I think they just rely on a, on a solid slate. And as soon as they establish that lineup, they just run with them and they see what they can do. Yeah, I think Coach Track mentioned in the press conference after the game that they used most of their energy on offense and then rested on defense. Uh, he was not happy with their defensive performance. And I think if you look beyond the box score, LMU did miss a lot of open shots. And I think against better opposition, they might make you pay for that. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I don't think in the future, especially against ASU, I don't think they're going to have six players available. But, um, yeah, I think there, there's a little bit left to be desired on the defensive end for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, an, an, another game, another USC basketball game in which I saw a lot to be desired on the defensive end was the first USC men's game in which they beat Cal Baptist, Cal Baptist, by eight points in overtime. Um, I got intense USC football vibes from that game. I don't know about, about, about you two, but it basically seemed like the classic, you know, play down to their opponent, like come back late and then ultimately pull out a win. That's like not that, I mean, it's exciting, but it's not that, I don't know. You're not that content with it because it's eight points against Cal Baptist. So, um, I, I what, what, what was that game? Man, like, can't you just be predictable for one game? Trojans, please. Like we can't take any more of this in this year. Okay, first of all, shooting from the free throw line was unacceptable that game. Um, I, you know, like the Mobleys, I was just like, what the hell is going on behind that? It's a free throw. It's free for a reason. Um, you know, and those are key points. And that's what boils it down to just, you know, single point leads. Um, you know, performance behind the perimeter was really, really bad. And I'm really nervous. Like, I was terrified that this team, you know, that we hyped up, like, this could be the team to win the Pac-12 title finally for the Trojans in basketball actually never existed. Um, but, you know, after the two following games, I'm a little bit more confident. Um, and, yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, I just don't think that we can survive to play down to our opponent, opponent like this. And I'm just really hoping it was first game jitters. You know, and even if it was, that was pretty lame. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to kind of defer to you guys on this one. I didn't watch much of the game. I guess the only thing I'd have to say is there's nothing more. I don't like to single out individual coaches or players, but it just seems like it's a very common theme, the Andy Enfield era, that we think this is the year they're bringing in just amount of just just the perfect mix of, of new talent and returning talent. If they could just put it all together, this is the year. And then they come out and squeak out an overtime win at home against a non-Power 5 opponent. Like, it's just so... it it. 
it it's par for the course. Um, but yeah, I haven't watched too much. Um, from what I've heard, I, especially with the second game, I've heard that the ball movement looks a little better than last year and the interior defense looks a little better. I'll kind of defer to you guys and, and see what you have to say about that. Yeah, it, it, it does. And I think that the first game jitters point is definitely valid. I, I tried not to put too much stock in that first overtime win against Cal Baptist because the second the following two games have looked pretty convincing. They beat Montana by 14 and then BYU by 26 just today. And the way that this this season, I think for USC is sort of being discussed on a national media level, which first of all, we can appreciate that USC basketball is getting attention on a national media standpoint at all. But basically what everybody's saying is how can everybody else on this roster make Evan Mobley as good as possible? And like, I get it. Evan Mobley's really good. He was the number, he was at, at one point, he was the number one overall uh, recruit in the, in the, in the country. I think he dropped down to like number three by the time he started at um, SC, but the, the, the way that I see it is that that sort of approach is not going to cut it. Like you look at the Kentuckys, you look at the Kansases, you look at the Villanovas, you look at all these, you know, Baylor, you look at all these powerhouse basketball schools. And it's not like an entire roster making one guy as good as he possibly can be. It's like, Oh, the entire roster is stacked. And so I think what you're going to need to see with this team is contributions up and down the lineup. And to me, Drew Peterson has been that guy. He led the Trojans in scoring in the second and third games for SC. Today, he scored 19 points against BYU. Uh, and I think the second game, it was it was a pretty balanced offensive attack. They scored 76 points, but Peterson led the team with 13. Um, so that, you know, goes to show a little bit more about kind of the team being more spread out and more the ball movement being better and all those kinds of things, which is which is great. But I, that's sort of been my my takeaway it's it's sort of becoming the thing it's like I can't watch a USC basketball game without hearing Mobley brothers Evan Mobley number three recruit top recruit whatever and again it's like I get it they're both really good but for this team to be great they're going to need everybody to be great and they're not only going to need the, the the Mobley brothers to be as good as they possibly can because we know that they're going to be really good um, but we need everybody else to be good as well and I think that that's what we've been starting to see the last two games. Yeah, I think it's all about discipline, um, you know, and I think that was the Trojans' downfall last year with Nico Okongwu. Um, and if you saw in those big games, like, he had a phenomenal stat sheet, but everyone else trailed, you know, extensively behind. You just can't function like that with a five-man court. You just can't. That's not how basketball works. Um, you know, ball movement really has to be equal. And I think, you know, today I am a little bit more confident, um, especially on the defensive end. I think our interior defense looked phenomenal. You know, like they limited BYU to, I think, shooting 23% behind the arc, you know, and like that's a pretty good outing there. But, you know, again, like on offense, um, if we're really going to stand out, we have to move the ball more. And I think we really, really have to um, rely on those guards that maybe people don't know, you know, and like if the Mobleys are going to get us on the national stage, fine. But first, we got to win the Pac-12. You know, like, let's take it step by step. Mm. Yeah, and I think the Pac-12 is definitely in reach, and that's something that, um, I don't know, not un unreasonable for Trojan fans to be aspiring for this year. And another USC team in which the Pac-12 is totally within reach, although the expectations are certainly much higher than maybe have a shot at the conference, is the football team, and the football team is going to be back in action supposedly, allegedly, on Sunday. Um, if that game takes place, it'll be against Washington State, who right now, it is December 1st, they are 1-1 one one on the season. Uh, that kind of gives you a little snapshot of, snapshot of what the 2020 season has been like. What are your thoughts about the Washington State game? To me, it's about 
stopping Jaden Delora, right? Because USC, again, I say this, I feel like I sound like a broken record. I say this every single week. It's stop the mobile quarterbacks and you'll be fine. And they never do that. Um, of course, they are they are three and zero, but um, the wins have been, or the first two wins especially, have been somewhat rocky, and it's because they couldn't stop quarterbacks from running the ball. And again, that's the thing that that they're going to have to do against Washington State because we it's uh, it's another case of USC's roster and the talent. It's just overmatched. It's just simply overmatched. The team is so much better. Um, so it's it's about plugging those holes, which they did better against uh, Utah at and. If they can take care of that, I don't see why this should be within two possessions. But what do you what do you two think? Yeah, let's hope we see some more Orlando defense magic. Um, you know, against Utah, they stopped running the ball, and that proved out proved incredibly successful for the Trojans. Um, you know, another thing they're gonna have to look out for is Renard Ball Bell, who is the wide receiver for um, Washington State, who actually has the most yards with only playing in two games so far this season, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, we're going to have to see that aggressiveness, the hustle, the confidence that we saw against Utah in order for this game to not be played down to their level. And I think another great thing about this game too, um, it's a great opportunity to see and actually gauge how Slovis is really doing. Right. And I think, you know, with like a weak, weak, weak defense, like Washington state, we can see if there's truly is a problem with his performance, with his ability, or if it's just the offense overall, or if it's another factor. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to as well. Yeah, I think this is going to be interesting to um, to go against a Washington State team that I guess goes against what you're what you're used to in a sense. Um, I think their defense in their first game of the season had four sacks for the first time in like two seasons. Um, they're not running like the traditional air raid where they're going to pass like ninety percent of the time. It's it's a different offense. They're still a little pass heavy, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. I guess the matchup I'm I'm looking out for this this week is going to be USC's defensive backs against Washington State's receivers. Um, like Taylor mentioned, Bell is leading the Pac-12 right now in yards per game. I think the they're another one of their receivers is number two in the Pac-12 in yards per game. So, like, obviously, that, that's more they're going to want to go. USC's <laughs> defensive backs have struggled this year, and especially man coverage. They've been drawing silly penalties. So I think that's going to be a major matchup. Whoever wins that matchup can kind of tell how the game's going to go. And, and my last point is just I think the, the start of this game is going to dictate how it goes. I think USC's a very malleable a, a team, I guess, they kind of mesh or flow to whatever game their opponent brings them. So if USC comes out strong and is able to shut down the, uh, Washington State's offense, I think this game goes smoothly for them because of the talent gap. But like we've seen so many times before, if, if one thing goes and, and uh, I, I don't know, it screws up the plans, then uh, things can go south very quickly. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, I was just looking at uh, Renard Bell's stats. He had 10 receptions for 158 yards and a touchdown against Oregon. So that should be fun. Um, so that's definitely going to match up. We're gonna, that's definitely going to be a matchup we're going to have to watch on Sunday Night Football, I guess, so to speak. Um, I have one more question about this game, and it's probably my biggest question about this game. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say it, and I will let you two um, have the floor. Um, does this game happen? And if it does, is it USC's last game of this season? So there's, there's this like pit in my stomach, and it's just been there ever since the Colorado cancellation. Um, you know, I don't know. Sports has been in its own little bubble this past month, even though things have just increasingly gotten more alarming on the coronavirus front. Um, and I think over and over and over, college football has proven that it is not in a bubble like the NBA was. It cannot be in a bubble like the NBA was. 
And I even think the NFL has proven that over and over again. You know, football cannot isolate itself. And so I think we're really going to see, I think this game's going to happen. Um, do I think it's going to be the last game of the season? There's a really strong chance of that. Um, or they're just going to have to move back playoff games or, you know, like any sense of like advancement past, um, you know, regular seasons. Because right now I just do not see that happening after a holiday break. Um, I think, you know, like they're really going to have to deal with government officials. Um, the Pac-12, I think, is going to have to come together and realize, you know, like California um, is proposing some really strict lockdowns and possibly a new stay-at-home order. And sports just do not have a place in that. And so I, I, I honestly think this might be USC's last game for a while. Yeah, um, I'm going to have to go on the same boat as Taylor here. Uh, it's, it's a bit frustrating. I know we're so tied to like the tradition of college football, but it, it just seems so simple. Like push things back two, three weeks and there might be a chance. But I guess they're hell bent on keeping things the way they are. So I, I'm going to say, yeah, USC might play this weekend. But I mean the chances of both UCLA and USC having complete eligible rosters next week, probably very, very low. Um, I mean, if you look at what's going on, the Niners, the 49ers literally got kicked out of Santa Clara, their professional sports organization. If they can't practice or play in Northern California, it's only a matter of time before the same thing happens to college teams. So yeah, things are not looking good. What do you think? Yeah. It, so the, the, the 49ers thing really got me because the way I've seen sort of all of these lockdowns taking place is like L.A. follows the Bay Area in a sense. Uh, I think that that happened back in March with the initial lockdowns, like the Bay Area was one of the first regions of the country to shut down. And then Los Angeles was like the next day. And then the next day I'm driving home from school. So um, that there might be a similar situation here where, you know, they say stay at home, no sports. The 49ers are now playing their home games at like the Arizona Cardinals Stadium, I think. Um, I don't know if it's going to be as easy for USC to just say, okay, we'll go play in, you know, Arizona State Stadium or Arizona's place. Um, so I, I, I don't know. It, it sort of seems to me like they're not going to, if, if there's a stay-at-home thing that gets in the way of playing football in Los Angeles, given the dynamics of college sports, given the fact that like, I don't know if they're not paid. It seems sort of harder to just like relocate and put them in a bubble for a couple months, especially if you're going to push back the season into, I don't know, you push back the playoff of the Pac-12 championships into like mid, mid-January and it's like, okay, you can't keep them there forever. Um, so yeah, I think, I, I, I also think this game gets played. Um, I, I think Los Angeles is pretty close to just pulling the plug and saying that this is over. Um, so I don't know. I'm not particularly hopeful um, but there are certainly a lot of questions that need to be answered in the next couple of weeks. And some of those answers will start to come Sunday night. Uh, but for now, that's going to do it for this edition of Talking Troy. Thank you so much to everybody for tuning in. I always say I don't know when we're going to be back, but we're going to be back at some point. However, I feel like we're sort of getting into a weekly rhythm kind of thing. So I guess I'll say tentatively we'll be back talking to you next week about USC football or basketball or not. Whatever happens, happens. And um, we will be here. So again, thank you to everybody for tuning in and stay safe. Everybody stay safe. Wear a mask. Be smart. We'll talk to you next time.